Giuliani again, didn't you? Julie's friend. Sometimes we sleep together. You can do whatever you want with your life, but one day you'll know what love truly is. What do I have this pleasure? The pleasure of Sofia. I would spend the rest of my life with that girl, man. I am not going in there. Bye. Good night. for one kiss that smile is gonna be the end of me david ames you're following me i just felt bad at your party when did you stop caring david slow down julie when you sleep with someone your body makes a promise whether you do or not do you believe in god Well, Pots of Thunder is getting all kinds of high-tech, Jeremy. We're really doing it now. <laughs> we're adding all kinds of clips. We're uh, we're adding new segments. This, mm-hmm. this whole Pots of Thunder thing is like, it's getting some traction here. It's really taking off. Still nobody listening to the goddamn thing. <laughs> uh, we haven't really advertised. Uh, you're going to, once we feel like we're there, we're going to get into the whole social media aspect, really to start to try to... Get some legs there with some hashtags and what have yous. We almost had a guest on the, today's episode. But so that would have been almost too much, I think. And it know? would have been too early. And a, a, a movie of this magnitude. Vanilla Sky, we should say. Absolutely. This is, this is probably the... Well, it's hard to put into terms as far as like... Because I was going to say biggest. But, I mean, you could put Days of Thunder up there. Yeah. Because th- this movie... Uh, well, it well. We, it, yeah, it did well, but it wasn't well received. I, I was going to say for me, this is, well, I've definitely liked some of the other, you know, some of the movies we've done, I saw specifically for the podcast, some of them like Days of Thunder and Color of Money I've seen. I really like Color of Money, like Collateral, but this movie so far is my favorite actual movie that we've done. Yes. And I think if I were to make a list of my 100 favorite movies, this would definitely be on that list. Maybe even 50. Who knows? Oh, I'm Ooh. there with you. Oh, yeah. It's definitely um, a top three cruise movie for, for me. Well, I may have to agree with everything you just said. So we're both in agreement that this was a quality flick. I was surprised a lot by, the, uh, by some of the reviews and stuff. But we won't dive into that just yet. Jonas, yeah, we, I, I, I think I have... Uh, a pretty colossal idea for weight loss. Let's hear it. All right. I think I'm not going to say it's it's uh, airtight here. Okay. <laughs> There's it's obviously a, some flaws. I'm going to take in less calories than I can. Or <laughs> right. I'm going to burn more calories than I take in. So it goes beyond that even. Sure. Okay. So here's a here's an epiphany I had of sorts. Sure. I was in our cafeteria at work. Mm-hmm. I saw. A man of size. <laughs> man of, not a man of means. Not a man, a man of means. A man of size. A man of size. Eating uh, food that he probably could have shied away from, right? <laughs> and I was just sitting there in disgust watching this person eat. Not thinking to myself, like, I'm also a man of size eating food that I have no business eating. <laughs> Right, so I'm being different because I'm me. Well, yeah, well, (laughs) because I still have this notion 
that I'm 16 years old and I'm 130 yeah. pounds. Like that's my image that I have of myself. And then, right. And then I look at myself. You're, you're privy to your own internal conversations about like, oh, I got to change. Whereas in, in, in your mind, it's a lot easier to look at the guy and go, he's resigned himself. Right. He's, right. he's accepted. Yeah. This is who he is. It, so, so I once, so I had two epiphanies. Of sorts. I'm watching the guy going, Oh my God, he's eating. And he looks awful doing it. And then going, yeah, but I, I'm also an awful guy right. eating food. I have no business eating. And I thought to myself, like, if that guy could see through my eyes what he looks like when he's eating, he mm -hmm. probably wouldn't eat the food that he eats, right? Right. And I thought for the same for myself. So my, it's not so much a diet idea as it is just a kind of a visual. To try to think about how you appear to other people as you're... Put a mirror in front of yourself when you eat. Oh, it's funny because I, I almost made a point to say, like, if this was a movie, what would happen is you would realize you were looking in a mirror. <laughs> or you're looking in, a, yeah. in the pane of a window. <laughs> so, because if you saw yourself eating a bacon double cheeseburger, right. you'd be like, I need to put this down. I need to grab some Brussels sprouts. And uh, maybe eat three of those because just watching my fat face open and close over and over is disgusting. <laughs> By the way, Brussels sprouts severely underrated. Oh, I feel, very, very. Good. I love or Brussels sprouts and broccoli. They both get kind of like they're they're amongst the first vegetables mentioned when you're like, oh, make sure to eat your broccoli or Brussels right. sprouts. They're delicious. They're very well. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of asparagus. You big? Fan oh, of love it. Yeah, asparagus, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, all quality green vegetables. Yeah. Like carrots, I feel like are ubiquitous, and they're fine. I don't, I don't dislike carrots, but yeah. I'd take those three over a carrot any day. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially cooked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cooked carrots, you can go fucking shove them up your ass, <laughs> even if they're cut like in the in the little circles, you know, like when you order Chinese. Oh, right, right. You know? As opposed to the julienne. As opposed to the ju julienne. Julienne. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Pop Star the other day. Do you remember that movie? With I, I, yeah, I, like I don't remember much about it. I remember watching it and liking it though. So uh, what was his name again? Uh, uh, Connor. Connor. Yeah. Oh, Connor, Connor for, for real. real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and in the movie, uh, Justin Timberlake plays his chef. He's got a very very small role. Very sure. Small cameo, and his his only really lines in the movie is when he's talking about how he cuts the carrots up different ways, and he says it like, Julian. <laughs> so immediately thought of that. Uh, that's what I got. What do you got? Uh, just a quick note. Uh, in our last podcast on uh, Edge of Tomorrow, we had talked about a movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones and an infamous butt shot under laser scene. Oh, that movie, forget it. That movie is Entrapment. Mm -hmm. With Sean Connery. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was going to talk about how you and I were going to do an open mic stand-up earlier this week. Yeah. Uh, however, it snowed quite a bit, and it was, ended up being a huge pain in the ass. I drove from work yes. to Mall of America. It took me like, you know, this is mini, downtown Minneapolis to Bloomington. It took me well over an hour, probably hour 20. Mm -hmm. um, and we, so you and I were kind of, we got, grabbed something to eat. Uh, we went to the comedy club, and we're kind of waiting, waiting for the dude to show up. And uh, eventually we saw him, so we were getting kind of prepared to do it. He comes out and tells us it is canceled. And it's funny because uh, I, for, I've never done the open mic before, so it would have been my first time. So I was definitely nervous about it. And I, as I thought about it, I'm like, well, it's snowing a lot. There's not going to be a lot of people. It'll probably just be mainly the comedians. This is actually probably a good setup for me to do it. But still, when, when he said that the show is canceled, I was upset overall, but my first reaction was 
extreme relief. <laughs> just don't have to do it. Um, right. <laughs> and then, so one other thing just that just happened as I was driving over here, uh, put yourself in my shoes. I'm driving on 494, and I, as I'm looking in the rearview mirror, I, I, I kind of, as I glanced down, I thought, did the guy behind me just flash his lights? So I looked back up, his headlights, you know, and and sure enough, he flashed his headlights again. You're in my situation. You're in my scenario. This is the car directly behind me. What what's your initial reaction? Well, I got a couple questions first before sure. I, my initial reaction is what lane are you in? I am in. I think there's four lanes in 494. I am in the second from the right, so I'm not okay, in the so, fast lane. So middle lane, right? Okay. Definitely a middle lane. And how was traffic? It was. I mean, it's Saturday morning. It was not. Four ninety four can still be a bitch. True. Saturday it was morning. not. There was no problem moving. Okay. Okay. Uh, so no. There was. A, I, there was a car ahead of me. I would not say impeding. I was comfortable at the speed I was going. I wasn't. Uh, I, I don't feel like the car in front of me. I was like, come on, get out of the way, or I was right. gonna considering changing lanes or anything. Here's here's another valid point to make before I make my initial reaction to this that everyone should know is 494 is a 60 mile an hour right state interstate right not 65 60 so and i think a lot of people in the metro don't even really understand that because you can be driving on 494 going 65 in a middle lane and you've got people like like you're right losing their shit okay right you don't really see a lot of 60. It's usually 55 no, or 65. Yeah. That's my point. Yeah. And so there's there's I I drive on 494 quite often and so I I know there's a lot a lot of animosity on there. Sure. Just due to the fact that I don't think people realize that it's 60 and not 65. Right, right. So, okay. I can see that. Uh, so you're in the middle-ish lane. There's someone in front of you that's going oh, speed that it's, fu- it's, it's fine. It's fine. I I can't. I don't. I couldn't tell you Plus, how fast I was going. Right. But I would. It's at least fifty. Probably. There's faster. two other lanes that people could use to get around. At least two. I think there were three. Okay. And plus, if you're in the far right lane on 494, there are a ton of exit only. Right. Right. Uh, exits and, that come up. Yeah, and I wasn't in the farthest right. I was the one next to that. There exactly. Were, there were definitely two lanes to my left. Okay. So, all right, now that we got that all the way, so flashing at you twice, right? At least twice. At least twice. What? So what is your thought that that person is doing? They're telling you to speed up. That would be correct. However, that is not how I interpreted it. My <laughs> thought, my, my immediate thought is somebody's flashing their headlights at me. Is like my car smoking or something? Like I'm thinking they're trying to get my attention. And so I see the guy pull over into the lane to the right of me and his window was down a little bit. Okay. And so I'm like, is he trying to tell me something? Middle finger? Middle finger. Shut the fuck up. So he didn't say fuck you, but he, as the guy drove by me, he, he like flicked me off and I'm guessing I I may have slowed down a little bit at that point. But to me, if I'm flashing my lights at somebody, I've never done that to tell somebody to speed up. I've either silently cursed them or gone around them. To me, the, the flashing of the lights would indicate I need to talk to you or there's something, there's right, something right, wrong. Right, right, right. No, I, 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 I immediately went there because I know assholes on, on, six, on 494 because right. I'm on it all the fucking time. Well, the other thing I'll bring up, because it never even occurred to me that he was indicating I should speed up, is it's not like he was even remotely on my ass. He, I mean, he was the car directly behind me, but there's at least two car lengths between me and him. 
So go around you. What's exactly. That? He, that's what he did. That's what he did. I don't understand it. It. Yeah. Were you going thirty-five? No, no, no. I was like I said. I was. <laughs> I don't. I didn't take note. I, I'm guessing I slowed down once I started thinking like, well, what's going on? Yeah. But I was going above fifty, guaranteed. Probably closer to 60 because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you're going 60... Yeah. In one of the further right lanes and there's yeah, two lanes... I'm not in the left th- lane. Then fucking go around, right. if, if I was in the left lane, I could see... Because it never even entered my mind that he might be telling me to speed up. Because, again, he's not even that close behind me. Anyway, I feel like I'm devoting way too much time to this. We are devoting way too much time to this. Although, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very much engaged well, in this because well, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. And it from. pisses me off because... Even though you you interpret it the way that he intended to, I still feel he's wrong, and I don't like the thought of this man out there being upset, believing he's right. Because I I think me saying it like, oh, somebody's flashing lights, yeah. it's, I think it's a lot different to hear than to be in the situation. I'm just like, why is he... To me, flashing lights is I gotta get your attention, which right, I guess right. could you know could mean right. speed up. But to me, it was like, oh, is that you know is is my bumper hanging off or right. something? Well, the only reason I put two and two together for that is because I know that people probably think that right. it's an inter it's an interstate right that it should be sixty five, and if you're going sixty, then they're thinking, what the fuck is this guy doing? Right, regardless of what lane you're in. Right, so understood. It's. I, I, I'm, I'm by no means in my end. Right, I'm right. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one of the shows we did uh, a thing where I just complained about phrases and things, like my story, I think, or my truth, one of the two I did. Yeah. One other thing, this, this is not in any way something you hear regularly, but I've heard it a few times. It's almost always in relation to... Uh, talk show host like like a letterman leno type that type of uh late night talk show host but even probably well over the half the times i've heard this phrase specifically in relation to johnny carson but i have heard it like just tv in general okay this phrase that it sounds good well i'm just gonna say it the phrase is welcomed him into our living room have you ever heard this i'm sure i have yeah it's, so it's usually said yeah, yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah. said especially about carson like you got to remember you know, it's it's used to convey that we had a special relationship with Johnny Carson that we didn't have with other people on TV or Letterman or Letterman sure. or whatever. Yeah. And they always say, you got to remember, we welcomed this guy into our living room. on a... Nobody thinks like that. No. Like, it's not like people are like, hey, we present a united this, this front. Yes. Yeah, we present a united front. If we have per- interpersonal family matters, we will discuss it be- without Johnny Carson on the TV. <laughs> right. Thank you very much. Right. Welcome to... Is I'm it? doing the jerk off motion here. <laughs> welcomed him into our living room. Like, would you talk about a lamp that way? You welcome the lamp into your living room as well. I'm an objects, Jeremy. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been talking for quite a while. Let's get to um, Vanilla Sky. Huh? Vanilla Sky, as I said, it would definitely make my top 100 movies all time, possibly 50. Mm-hmm. Definitely my the, the best movie we've done so far. Just a quick recap for those who have not seen. Uh, we have Tom Cruise as David Ames. Kind David of Ames. Publishing magnate. A kind of a young inherited his father's empire. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cameron Diaz plays Julie Gianni. Uh, kind of, uh, well, well, we'll talk about her. Kurt Russell as McCabe. Uh, Doctor. Doctor. All we know is McKay. His, he, I find it kind of fun. I guess it kind of does make sense that they don't give him a first name. Kind of the realization that he has sure. towards the end. Uh, Jason Lee, uh, Brian Shelby, Jonathan Galecki is uh, Cruz's assistant, best known as David from Roseanne. Mm-hmm. Penelope Cruz. So you went the David Roseanne part. 
Or Suicide Kings? Is that what you're thinking? David Galecki? I think he's best known for... Uh, Jonathan Galecki. Or uh, Jonathan Galecki is best known for uh, for uh, Big Bang. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that is what he's best known. It, yeah. He's best known in my life. As, right, right. Uh, as, Mine as well. I mean, I, yeah, as I've David. only watched Big Bang Theory a handful of times. Yeah, I don't think I've ever... Forced by a woman. So, <laughs> A woman. Uh, Tilda Swinton has kind of a small role. And I thought this was odd. I can't... So this is a person whose name I recognize. Face I recognize is attached to the name. But I don't know a single role that he's had. But do you know Michael Shannon? Who did he play? He played the security guard. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. In the prison. Where you see him and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and c- not like a cameo or anything. He was nobody at this time. Anyway, Cruz plays... Uh, well, and then what's the name of the, the guy who befriends Cruz that's part of the company? Oh, I looked up his name. I don't, he was in um, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, was he really? He was the uh, doctor who... who Like, he, the three of them, Blunt, Cruz, and this guy... Are the three people who know? He's the one who has like the transponder. Oh, you remember? And because okay. uh, he has, he's a very peculiar... the, only, the only reason I bring him up is because I loved his character in the in yeah. the sky. Well, he has such a he has a very unique face. You know, it's just kind of yeah. like he stands out as like that's peculiar. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say attractive or unattractive, just odd. Yeah, it just looks odd. Anyway, Cruz plays David Ames, the the publishing magnate, the son. Uh, he as we're introduced. Uh, to him, he had kind of the opening scene. He's driving his very expensive car. I think it was oh, a Ferrari. Before we dive in too deep, yeah, this is a remake of Abre los Ojos, right? Uh, that also starred Penelope Cruz, right? Uh, she played the exact same role in that movie as she did this one, and that stands for uh, "Open Your Eyes." Open your eyes. Um, so Cruz, the I believe it's the opening scene. He uh, he's driving his Ferrari around New York in near Times Square, and he kind of realizes eventually there's no people there. Um, and it turns out he's having a nightmare. Uh, he wakes up, and uh, Cameron Diaz is there as Julie, the aforementioned Julie Gianni. I do want okay, real quick. Yep. The, the the nobody in New York City as he's driving around, and then there's the iconic crews running through Times Square, right? An empty Times Square. To me, in this kind of second era of Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. this is the most iconic scene. Yeah, I could see that, and and uh, they they literally they didn't use CGI. They actually shut down Times Square, and right. I, I read something somewhere that said like the thirty second scene was a million dollars. Oh right yeah, there, it just was to, costly. Yeah, yeah. I also realized that th- there's a, a Marriott Marquis Hotel right there. Mm-hmm. I've I stayed in that hotel. Oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, very beautiful. Um, so anyway, he Cruz is casually banging Diaz. Cameron Diaz is Julie Gianni. She sees one rich magnet. Exactly. <laughs> She's clearly very into him, is seeking a relationship. He is not. Um, and then early on in the film, it's his birthday. So he has a birthday party. Uh, he, we're introduced to Jason Lee as Brian Shelby, his best friend. Mm-hmm. And she he brings along a woman he had just met at the library, uh, Penelope Cruz, as Sophia Serrano. Serrano. Um, they Cruz could be confused with... Pedro Serrano from Major League. Correct. Or Shea Serrano, writer for The Ringer. Um, <laughs> so many Serranos. Ah, so many Serranos, so little time, as they say. Um, Cruz and, and, well, Cruz and Cruz, uh, David and Sophia hit it off immediately. They have kind of a, you know, the typical meet cute, although it's a little bit, oh, it's almost too cute. It's too perfect, they're flirting. I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Uh Cruz is, you know, so he leaves, he eventually, he, he goes back to her place, 
uh, that they don't have sex because he's a pleasure delayer. Uh, and he kind of leaves the apartment. You know, the it seems as though he's falling in love, even though he's just met this one for the first night. And we then find that Julie Cameron Diaz has stalked him, and she is kind of teasing him, like, oh, you're, you know, I could tell you didn't have sex with her by the way you're walking. Right. And she says, right, how about I'll get... He's at his car. Which, first time I heard that was like, does she... Does she feel like she didn't strap it on and fuck him? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, you right. Know? Or is it that he, he didn't have the dick swagger? I well, think. yeah, that, and that's what she meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my fucking gross. Yeah, right. mind. That's where I went. Um, so Cameron Diaz offers him a ride, and you know she's kind of been presented as this clingy. You know, kind Clean. of. Well, up until this point, she's been kind of. She, he's uh, Tom Cruise is joking with Penelope Cruz about how she's his stalker, but in the car ride, it becomes clear that she is very. She's not mentally stable. And oh, not even a little bit. She keeps saying like, "We had sex four times. Four times means something." She I says, swallowed I, "I swallowed your cum. That means something." <laughs> uh, and she dr- intentionally drives her car at like sixty miles an hour off a bridge. Uh, it ends up killing herself, and Cruz is. Injured but lives. He's in a coma for a few weeks, which results in him having this severe facial deformity, um, and a and a shoulder that's no longer useful. Yeah, and his arm. He, I think he says he broke his jaw in four places. His arms very mess, one arm is very messed up. Uh, and then at some point, uh, there's a kind of a cut to a scene. It's clearly like a different timeline where he's talking with Kurt Russell as McCabe, and he's wearing a strange mask. And he's in. He's clearly in prison. And McCabe is a psychologist who it appears is there to. He tells him relatively early that he's been accused of murder, which we don't know what's happened at this point. And uh, Kurt Russell is there to kind of make a determination. It seems like he's on Cruz's side, so he's trying to prove that he was deranged in some way, so he can't be held responsible for his actions. Um, and so it's kind of cutting between these two different things. Uh, eventually. Cruz tries to reconnect with Sophia. He goes out to a club with Jason Lee and Penelope and himself, uh, but he's still he, he's got a severe facial deformity, and he's trying. He's clearly trying to rekindle what the, what him and Penelope Cruz had had on the first night. But she's clear, kind of clearly rebuffing him, not as interested. The the face is making him feel not the same person essentially, and uh, he drinks too much. Uh, she, you know, it kind of cuts from the club scene to them walking home and Penelope Cruz leaves the two of them. He has a fight with Jason Lee. Um, he, he starts thinking that, uh, Jason Lee leaves him and it, it kind of cuts as R.E.M.'s Sweetness Follows plays. It, it shows like Cruz, in Cruz's mind, Jason Lee might be chasing after Cruz and kind of hooking back up with her. And so Cruz starts running to catch up, but he's really drunk and he passes out in the street. Uh, and then it cuts to the next morning, Penelope Cruz is kind of like, hey, you're gonna come with me. You've gotta, you've gotta be better. I want to remember the, the way you were. And it's kind of a stark tonal shift where the night before she was kind of rebuffing his advances and clearly did not have interest. And now she's taken, you know, he, he was hammered and passed out in the street, and she's taken him in. A huge swift in in uh, her approach to him. Right. I'm, and seems like she's interested in. Seems like she's interested. And clearly, the sky is is has that vanilla sky exactly. kind of uh, hue to it. Right. Yeah. So, um, just to kind of this intro has been a little bit long winded. So, just to uh, uh, speed things up, eventually, this uh, you know, in that timeline or in that uh, scenario, him and him and crew, him and Penelope start developing a relationship again. Um, he they, there's a technological breakthrough that allows him to 
have his old face back essentially. Yeah, Every, everything's going well. However, then he starts experiencing these weird scenarios where um, he's he's with Sophia with Penelope Cruz, and all of a sudden it tur- it tr- it turns and it's Cameron Diaz. Right. And he he's so he feels like he's losing his mind, and these weird things keep happening. And it clearly be, what what we're led to believe is that he's he's strangled Sophia. Because in his mind, he thought it was Cameron Diaz, and he was losing his mind, and maybe that's why he killed this person. Maybe that's why uh, Kurt Russell's there. So the story kind of shifts to the Russell Cruise plotline. Eventually, they realize that uh, Tom Cruise uh, learned about something called life extension, and he had signed a contract with them, then committed suicide. They cryogenically froze his body, and he selected a lucid dream option. So he's he's... For all intents and purposes, dead, but he's lived everything with uh, Sophia from that night at the club. That was his real life up until the the night of the club where he passed out on the street. And then from that moving forward has been a lucid dream, which explains the tonal shift and the vanilla sky. And so now he has this choice to make. Does he decide to live in this reality that is, you know, the, the, the glitch has been fixed, the thing that was making him confuse uh, Cameron Diaz and, and Penelope Cruz has been fixed. He can return to that life, this kind of great life, but it's not real. Or he can. it's been about 150 years since he died. Um, and so he could return to the world. But the, tech, the technician that you mentioned, the, the, uh, the guy who looks very peculiar, he's explaining, you know, it's been 150 years. The world's changed. Uh, oh, no, that's not the guy I was referencing. The guy I was referencing was the guy... For the company, the magazine company. Oh, Tommy, Befriend, people Befriend will read them. again. That guy. What's that? The people will read again guy. Tommy. Yeah, Tip. yeah, yeah. Tommy yeah, Tip. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Oh, so, what were you asking about him before? When no, I, just that because um, you were mentioning the cast, and I was like, that, oh, that, yeah, that was one of the guys that I was like, I loved his character because he was he was trying to help him right from the get go before anything went, went right south. It is he was trying life. to help him uh, with the company. Right. Yeah. Right. And he ended up. Uh, actually taking over the company away from the seven dwarves, the people... Right, the who, seven members of the board of who the board. collectively own 49% of Cruz's father's company, right. while Cruz owns 51. Right, and I just totally derailed your no, that's, process there. But yeah, well, that, that's pretty much it. He he does end up deciding to take the, the real life, even though it won't be... With Sophia, he, he, you know, the, the thought of living a false reality doesn't seem as appealing to him. And he, so he jumps off this tall building because he's afraid of heights. And then uh, it cuts to a scene of an eyeball and you hear somebody say, open your eyes. Well, and, and, and let's think about it. If we're, put, if we're placed in that scenario, uh, the idea of like, well, you can still live this lucid dream where you don't know if you're fucking the girl who ended up smashing your face in or if it's the girl that you fell in love with, like... That could still continue to fuck yeah. with your head, or you could just live again. Yeah. What do you want to do? I'll take the live again. Well, the I, I thought it, one of the th- thoughts I had is this: so LE is what they call life extension. LE, yeah, the um, company. Yeah, the company um, who offers this service. Um, and I, what I was thinking is like, could it use a little more beta testing? Because uh, uh, yeah. they there, there's these glitches happening. Um, I thought there was some other reason I I'd listed that. Well, that was the whole idea behind the tech support guy. You're right. If it right. does go south, you can call for tech support and be like, the fuck's going on here? Right. Yeah. But so actually one of the things I want to talk about was we're kind of jumping ahead, but to yeah. the um that whole decision, the idea that like uh do I want to live in a reality that I get to control and is awesome, but it's not really real, versus 
living in something that is truly real, but you're then you know subject to both the bitter and the the sweet and the sour. Um, that was the whole point of the movie. I that's thought. the whole point of the movie. Yeah. But to me, I feel like because any movie about that, the protagonist will ultimately do the quote unquote right thing and select the real <laughs> reality. Right. I'm pretty sure I'd go the other route. I would really? just oh even yeah. even with like the the chances of like get, getting your head fucked with. Am I with? Sophia well, at least the way that it's presented in the movie is that they, they the tech support guy says they identified the glitch and have corrected it. So oh, I missed that line certainly, of certainly it could yeah. have some other things could happen again. But to me, I mean, the way that I see it is like we, I mean, we in reality, like we are still limited by our perception. You know, like there, there yeah. is something that is like if you think about a dog, for example, you know, a dog whistle. We can't hear that noise, but it exists. It's real, yeah, yeah. but we don't have the perception to perceive it. They say that a dog s- sees through smell more than anything. So there is an objective reality, but it's always filtered through something. Sure. And f- I mean, a lot of people, you know, in f- physics with ideas of the multiverse and things like that, people say, well, the world could be a computer simulation, and we. It, we don't know. Like to me, being really authentically real doesn't really hold a lot of value. <laughs> with the chance of reality being a computer simulation, do you want to live within a computer simulation of a computer simulation? I think there's too many things that can. Go yeah, down. yeah, right, right. You know. Um, but I will. The one, I, one of my favorite. One of the reasons I really like this movie is you know early on in the movie. Well, for one thing, Jason Lee is way too considerate of a friend. He brings Penelope Cruz. Cruz Tom Cruise immediately steals her essentially. Immediately. Immediately. And granted, no, there's had, not a fucking there's not a beat in between. Hi, this is yeah. and and Cruz They're, immediately hit an honor. Exactly. Yeah. And he so he he eventually uh he, Jason Lee at, at the birthday party where Tom and Penelope meet. Jason Lee gets drunk and he ends up bumping into them. Where they're in Cruz's separate apartment within his house, um, <laughs> and he's kind of like, "Why did you have to hit on her of all these girls at the party?" But he says, "Yeah, you know what though? If she's gonna screw up our friendship, screw her." Which, like, Tom Cruise is screwing up the friendship. You're putting <laughs> right. it on her, right? And but he he says uh, he says, "Hey, you know what? You know what? You'll never." He says, "The one thing Jason Lee is saying, the one thing he has over Cruise is crew, you know." Uh, that he fully experiences the the sweet with the sour, and the sweet wouldn't taste as sweet without the sour. Mm-hmm. That's the one, the one thing that I really like about the movie. I think it's a solid message. But also, then in a lucid dream, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. Which it's if if your entire life is doing whatever you want, then you wouldn't actually enjoy it as much as if the harsh reality that we kind of solidifies with. the point of like you, there is no choice. You have to go. You have to jump off the building and go live in reality. Right, right. Because if you, now, so I can now, understand that yeah, part of it. Yeah, because now if like the choice is uh, everything is fake, everything. So yep. the, the the woman of your dreams is fake, and she's the, there's no like return, real return of like love or affection or it's it's all. That's true. That's you know, yeah. That that's a good point. Except for the fact that if you don't know, like to me. Okay, you're, what you're saying is like, well, yeah, Tom Cruise may feel in love, but it's not real love because it's this kind of projection in his mind about yeah. who Penelope Cruz is. However, to the mind, it's no different. You know what I mean? Like, Well, and then plus you could also make the argument that in due time, if he continues to live in this phony reality for years, mm-hmm. he could trick his mind into thinking it is reality. Right. You know what I mean? Oh, I think I 
I, I never, I guess, I don't know if they ever actually explicitly stated this, but I got the sense that if he were returned, he would be oblivious. The only, the only time that he had to know that if he went back to the oh, fake reality, that. that's how, I don't know that they ever said that specifically, but I mean, that, that's a always simple, a simple line of dialogue would just, yeah, yeah, that's always kind of what I assumed is that he would go back to being the, the, you know, he'd be aloof to completely to ignorant right, to, yeah. to the fact that, um, <laughs> but anyway. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, one thing I wanted to point out about this movie, yeah. the music is phenomenal, which is not surprising because it is Cameron Crowe, yeah. who uh, he, previous to this, his most recent movie was Almost Famous. In you know, This movie came out in 2001. I think Almost Famous was 2000. Almost Famous is basically an autobiography of Cameron Crowe's actual life. He, he wrote for Rolling Stone at a very young age. Uh-huh. Uh, the band Stillwater in the movie is fronted by Jason Lee. Uh, and that's kind of a stand-in for Led Zeppelin uh, in Cameron Crowe's real life. He's clearly music is very important to him, but he's got the Kid A, um, or sorry, the Radiohead, and uh, they have a, the they had an album Kid A, which uh, it's it's a concept album, and it's about I, I would always read like I read reviews of it when it came out, and they would always say that it's a concept album about the first clone human, but they would always add this like this one little caveat that it, it was like. It's about the first cloned human, which the band thinks has already happened. They'd always add that on, that the band thinks that that Kid A, quote-unquote, is out there. And everything in its right place kicks off that album. And the whole thing is kind of about how everything appears as it should, but there's something not quite right. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the the cloned human being, it would be genetically, everything is exactly as it should be, but maybe it's missing a soul or something like that. And it clearly has a lot of tie-ins to this movie of, you know, when he's in time, this is playing when he's in Times Square, and it's like, Everything's as it should be, but there's no people, and his life is, it appears to be his life, but there's obviously critical aspect of authenticity well, or because, reality missing. Because uh, that uh, initial scene with the dream, is that understood that that was, I can't remember exactly the timeline here, was that to be understood that that dream took place in his post, actual post the accident? So I think that's kind of a point of conversation. If, if you take the movie at its word, the tech support at its word, then that dream would have happened in his real life. Okay. However, I read a few things that were saying, like, for example, some people think that the entire movie is Tom Cruise's character in the coma. Ah. Um, some, I, read, I thought this was kind of interesting. Some people said that they thought his decision of whether to live the real life or the fake life that seems real yeah. is... That he actually did die, and it's the devil trying to steal his soul. And the, the way that they justified that was saying, like, there's so many conversations between Kurt Russell and Tom Cruise about, did you sign a contract? Did you sign a co- contract? Like Lu- selling your soul to the devil? Right. Lucid Dream, Lucifer. They, oh, they, they noted that at, at LE, at Life Extension, there were two women, Tilda Swinton, and the woman who kept kind of appearing in flashbacks throughout. They both yeah. had red hair. Um, they said that... Both had phenomenal bodies. Phenomenal bodies. They said that, uh, you know, Cruise is the publishing magnate, and one of his magazines is called Rise, and he's the son of the man who wrote the book, so it's like he's Jesus in some way. Um, kind of a stretch, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, and it, it just made me think of something. So they keep talking about how he's like the king of this publishing world. Yeah. The only thing they ever show is the Rise magazine, which is like a Maxim-style magazine, it yeah. appears. But then there's other times where they're talking about it, and it seems like... He's into like very serious literature, but it's like, yeah. But you publish the Maxim magazine. <laughs> well, do you remember the scene where it was it was post 
where Penelope Cruz is like helping him like re- get his life together again. Yeah. And and then there was all of those memos that were all over the floor. Yeah, people will read again. Tom well, Tom Tipped was right. <laughs> well, and and they were all memos. I think they all had letterhead of like each individual magazine. Oh, uh, okay. I, I remember the scene. I didn't note that. Notice that. Though. I don't know if it was. I did get the sense that it wasn't like Rise Magazine was the only thing, right? But it, I just thought it was weird that that's like the one thing that they show. <laughs> right. But they otherwise, they're on. talking about yeah. like, oh, he's a literary god. You know? it's like, <laughs> right. I don't think the the publisher of Maxim is held in high esteem in those circles. <laughs> uh, the other thing I thought, just with respect to Kid A, is again, this movie came out in two thousand one. I think Kid A was either two thousand or th- two thousand one. And it kind of shows that there's always going to be a concern or distrust of technology. Whereas, at that, like, cloning, nobody fucking cares about cloning anymore. It's right. all, if this movie were made today, it's all it would be all about social media. And the, well, AI. The influence of AI or social yeah. media, stuff yeah. like that. Like, cloning, people don't give a shit about cloning anymore. No. So I think there's always... But uh, the music, they also had Sweetness Follow. I think I would trust Cameron Crowe. As much as myself, if in some cases more, to come up with my favorite song from every artist. Not a bit. REM's a hugely successful band. I've never been a huge fan. I liked Automatic for the People, but I think Sweetness Follows might be my favorite song of theirs. Also, Peter Gabriel, Salisbury Hill, same situation. Um, and they had a great song from the Chemical Brothers that closes it out. And a good Dylan song, too, which I don't. I think it's called Positively Fourth Street. Anyway, it's a great soundtrack. Uh, I just wanted to... to call that out i this is all not my genre of music sure but all fit perfectly into the movie yeah i i thought it was it, it was all because it i because even it, it's it's in the scene where the tech support guy is explaining to Cruz like all of these uh scenes throughout of the the movie where he's in the lucid dream yep where it's like matching up with like the bob movie dylan posters yeah. and all that shit and and so uh, I thought it was weird that they pointed that out because normally they don't want to point that out to the audience. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Although I'm glad they did because I think specifically there's a part where uh, – uh, who is, is it the tech support that's explaining it? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's explaining to Cruz and saying like, oh, you, you reimagine what love is based on a Bob Dylan album cover you saw once. And it shows a scene of Penelope Cruz. They're walking down a New York street – with snow on the ground, and Penelope Cruz is like snuggling, nuzzling her head into Tom Cruise. And I remember when they first showed the scene, there is kind of like a sense of recognition almost, but never, I certainly never was like, that's freewheeling Bob Dylan cover. Yeah, but yeah. When, they sh- when they showed that that part specifically, I was like, fuck, this is a good movie. Like that was the <laughs> moment. Where I, and then they, they, like, they said that because, again, uh, Cruise is the son of the publishing guy. <laughs> Uh, in his autobiography, apparently, the only mention of Tom Cruise's character David is David was such a delight as a child. So he clearly had a very distant relationship with right. his father. And it points out that Kurt Russell's character, the psychologist, is completely made up by Tom Cruise. And it's based on uh, Gregory Peck as Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird, who he, who Tom Cruise's character saw as particularly fatherly. And so he kind of created this the psychologist role to be a fatherly influence because his own father was very, very dissonant. So a lot of that stuff I thought was really interesting. Sure. Um, uh, I thought the casting, I don't think there's anything. The casting was phenomenal. Absolutely. The casting was phenomenal. Uh, Tom Cruise is the lead. Um, uh, Cameron Diaz being like 
very seductress, but also just a off crazy, the like, off the rail crazy bitch. She, I felt like she could. She, it wouldn't. I don't think it would be out of bounds to nominate her for like a best supporting actress, just because <laughs> right. she played so perfectly. She conveyed that role was both perfect. Both the tension of like this woman is kind of on the edge, yeah. To also, also being like like the scenes where it's switching between Penelope Cruz and Cameron Diaz, yeah. and she's yes, just kind of like laughing. Especially it's so, those. Scenes. It really conveys that sense of derangement of like. Yeah. What's wrong with this woman, you know? I, and I, and just like that she's just incredibly attractive. Oh, yeah. That element added to it is just like, good God. Yeah. It really, uh, Jason Lee's character, another great cast, Jason Lee, yeah. uh, he said at one point, your fuck buddy is my dream girl. And that, yeah. it's true. It's funny, too, because yeah. in this movie, Cameron Diaz is obviously gorgeous, you know, yeah. but Penelope Cruz is so, like, I was telling you before how it's like when you're younger, you kind of have like, oh... You know, this is like amongst the actresses who are clearly all very attractive. You always pick out your own. Like right. Jennifer Aniston was right. huge for me for a while. Right. I think Penelope Cruz in this movie may be the last time I, I had that because I was still relatively young in 2001. Yeah. But she's just so cute. And you everybody falls in love with Penelope there, Cruz there, when there you watch that movie. There is the cute element. But there's also like, especially when you stack her up against Cameron Diaz's character. And I'm not saying Cameron Diaz, but... Right, right. Uh, uh, Julia. Uh, Julia's character of also being just incredibly attractive, but just off the chain crazy. Right. And then you have Penelope Cruz, who's who's also cute, but also just un- insanely gorgeous. Right. But then like has like this has a sense of humor. Right. Has a uh, uh, a sense of like who she is and confidence yeah. and and like she- other elements of of like a person that you would be attracted to, like. Right, she knows who she is. She knows what she wants. She, yep. She, uh, she's not just hot. She's fucking cool, funny, cool, you know? funny. All the, all that, all the stuff that is just like, you know, to me, I'd be like, ah, she's out of my league because she's everything. Yeah, that I yeah. Want, you know. Yeah. And uh, um, got to think about that when you're eating in the mirror. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she would, Penelope Cruz would never, never, never accept me. Uh, and <laughs> good tie-in. Uh, but just when, and I think it was they did that well. Where it didn't seem so over the top when you're stacking the two characters together, so you have that cast and comparison of those two, right? You know, to make to really make them kind of like, um, you know, stand out as sure. who it is that they're playing. Sure, there were there's a lot of just like kind of weird lines, but it just comes off as like cute because like, do you remember like at the party um, when Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz are Oh, by the way, they also dated in real life around this time. Who did? Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruz. Huh. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think this was like right after he broke up with Kidman. Or it happened during the production, I believe. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, he says something like, oh, she's a, you're a dancer. And she's like, yes, I'm in ballet. And she goes, she says something like, but I don't dance the way you dance. And that's it. And it's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like, you know, like, it's There's playful. nothing to it. There, it's just... It, it, it's funny because, you know, as I mentioned, there's some theories about, like, well, is the whole thing a dream? And there is almost a dreamlike quality to their to Tom Cruise and Penelope Cruise meeting because, again, they're both just so, like, 
playful and flirty. It don't, it's like Aaron Sorkin gets criticized a lot for dialogue because it's too it's great dialogue, but it's too crisp. It's not realistic. Mm-hmm. That almost felt like that here, where like remember Tom Cruise shuts the door in her face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and everything yeah. plays out perfectly. Yeah, they they draw each other. They're both really good drawers. <laughs> you know, yeah, like yeah, she yeah, makes yeah, the yeah, caricature yeah. of him, and he has like the sure. the haunting beauty capture. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I just yeah. thought it was a little bit... Uh, also, um, second movie where uh, uh, Tom Cruise's love interest draws him. Cocktail being the other one. When, when did... who? Oh, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue yeah. draws him on the beach. Right? Yes, very much so. Um, what was the other thing I was going to add that I had? There's, uh, one, there's one other thing I wanted to point out, too, that I think one of the things that was interesting is like the kind of um, looking at Tom Cruise in that the initial meeting, you know, that everything goes so well. I thought that they did a good job with like the changing power dynamic of when he's still alive, but has the deformed face. He's so much needier. And like, for example, he eventually gets up the courage to go to her ballet studio and ask her out to go to the club. Yeah. And then it cuts to like a scene where later that night he's watching Conan and there's Benny the dog, which they had talked about on their first date. And he calls her up and he goes, well, you're back in my life. I just saw Benny the dog can't wait to talk to you again. And it's just yeah. like this needy, like clearly yeah, yeah, the power yeah, yeah. has shifted in her favor when they're at the club and she says, we'll talk about it later when we come back as cats or whatever. And yeah, he's yeah. like, that's so great yeah. that you said that. Yeah. That's amazing. was a very Tom Cruise overactory moment. But it, it does a great job because it shows that he's like, he's not on her level anymore. And he's just like, it's pretty yeah. much the role that you and I probably play with all women. Like, please like me, yeah. please. <laughs> Well, okay, so, and, and uh, God, I just had it, and now I lost it. Um, say something else. I'll get it back. Well, one other thing, talking about the cast, uh, Jason Lee. Yeah. Um, I For one, I wish you'd see more of this guy. He's really funny, and uh, you got it? Yeah. Um, uh, interestingly, the first time I ever, I think the first movie he was in was Mallrats. He was like a borderline, he was going to become a professional skateboarder. Oh, Somehow yeah. Kevin Smith befriended him. Cast him in Mallrats, and then Jason Lee, you know, from aforementioned Almost Famous, he was the lead singer of Stillwater. Uh, My Name is Earl is probably his biggest role. He was that on, was on forever. Yeah, that was on for eight or nine years, and he, yeah. was, he was the lead in that. Uh, oh, very, very funny, Jason Lee, but he doesn't, you don't see him a ton. No, he's kind of, what was the last thing he did anything that you remember? I, My Name is Earl is the last thing that okay. I can think of. He was also in... Uh, other Kevin Smith movies, I know, but that was kind of the beginning of his yeah, career. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the midpoint of his career, and shortly yeah. after this is My Name is Earl. But always, fun. he's kind of has like a cynical humor to him that he's very good at yelling humorously, uh-huh. like in uh, in Almost Famous. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm only the lead singer. Yeah, yeah, as the yeah, bus yeah. takes yeah. away. Love some Jason Lee. Um, also Scientologist. Yes, I know that. Oh, and uh, and his his infamously named his. Son or daughter, ch- uh, pilot inspector yeah, with a K. Inspector well, well, with a K. Well done, Coxsucker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the other the other thing I was going to mention was there there is also um, as as likable as as uh, David Ames is in the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. He's also unlikable in that he's he's the you know the son of a rich father right. who started this company. And now it's just his, just by default. Right, and so how can you how can you really pull for the, right. the privileged? 
and white guy. Did you, you know? uh, kind of, uh, again, another instance that makes you question is the whole th- movie a dream because he has this kind of dreamlike life. Sure. He's yeah. loaded. He's attractive. He's banging Cameron Diaz for fun. He snowboards through life. Yeah. Well, it, okay, so the other thing that, like, in, in every other instance, I'd be like, yeah, fuck this guy. Good thing I'm glad his face got smashed and now his life is in ruins. Right. There's also, like, a, the, like an empathetic side of me that when, especially this really hit me when he's in the room with, remember when he's in that, and there's that panel of doctors, he's already gone through a lot of reconstructive surgery, but they're saying, like, there's other stuff, and he's like, we, there's other stuff that hasn't been tested yet, and he's like, test me, I don't care. Yeah, you yeah. Know, and he's saying all stuff, and then they bring up the prosthetic mask. And he loses his shit over that. Yeah. There was there was an element there where I'm like, all right, so if you did go through life with all this privileges of money and you know confidence and right. and all these other elements, and you lost your face and the function of your arm, and he was obviously ripped, and so like that's right. probably out the door now too. Yep. You've lost. Can't, your can't even jerk it if it's his dominant <laughs> hand. That, if his dominant <laughs> arm that got injured. You've lost your element of. Basically, you right, yeah, as a functioning human being. Plus, not to mention that he has like these pain, huge yeah. headaches now, right? So he can't function to run the company. Right. He says he can't even. They're not. Don't call them headaches. He says it's like a razor is cutting through my every thought. Yes. Right? So debilitating, so, clearly debilitating uh, mentally and physically. Yeah, I'd be fucking right suicidal too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, his his lot in life in that scenario would be terrible for anyone, but somebody who lived at the exact other end of the spectrum right. would be traumatic. I did think some of the stuff with Cruz's face messed up, it led to a lot of hum- some of the funniest stuff in Tom Cruise's career, I would say. <laughs> like, the scene that you were talking about yeah. where he loses his shit and they're like... It's a it's a facial prosthetic. It's got uh, ultraviolets, blah blah blah. And he goes, yeah. "Oh, good prosthetic." Because for a moment, I thought we were talking about a fucking mask. That, that's yes. There's a classic uh, Tom Cruise overacting, overacting. moment there. Uh, when yeah. he when he has the aforementioned uh, where he's just kind of groveling at Penelope Cruz's feet with the I can't believe you said that. That's so great. The yeah, when yeah. we come back as cats, he goes. He's he's drunk at this point. And he goes. Or meow. He oh, does yeah, like a yeah, drunken yeah, meow. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah, yeah. He's also when he's drunken in the bathroom, uh, he's uh, he's shows him peeing at the urinal, and two guys walk by who I found out on IMDb. They're actually two of the band members from Still Stillwater from Almost Famous. Oh, really? But one of them yells. Well, then there's hey, a dude. mirror. Yeah, there's, there's a, a mirror, mirror, so you can see Chris's face. And and one of the guys goes, dude, fix your fucking face. And Tom Cruise just starts laughing at it, like chuckling. <laughs> right. It was really – so I think I would watch a movie just solely around Tom Cruise with the fucked up face, drinking <laughs> drink too much, laughing at his lot in life. There were a lot of – oh, and uh, Michael Shannon, the guard, at one point says uh, – what is – he? oh, he says uh, – I think Cruz is at one point he's like he calls flipping him like a mama's boy. Or... He calls him face. He goes, "Take it easy, face." <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot I of missed that line. There's a, I think I had the subtitles on, and I think that's okay. uh, that's the only reason I caught it. But uh, so a lot of humor around uh, Tom Cruise's facial misfortune. Misfortune. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And who better to cast for someone who had like who in, has in essence everything. the the perfect face and now it's all fucked up than tom cruise right who has you know throughout this period is still it's before the oprah freak out yeah he's still kind of you know tom hanks maybe is the only person in his in his atmosphere in terms of like 
just star. megawatt star power. Yeah. yeah. And, well, and let's face it, Cruz is much better looking than. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Hanks. Part of his appeal is that he's the everyman. Yeah. Tom Cruise's appeal is I'll never be Tom Cruise. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Are we doing segments here? What are we doing? Um, I do have some quick hit thoughts. Okay. One thing I noticed again because I had the uh, um, subtitles on. Yeah. And it was this, it was something that I, I noticed it because of the subtitles, but then I instantly thought I bet this will be on IMDb trivia, and it was uh, early on, on the movie. At the very, like right after the time uh, Times Square scene, Cameron Diaz's cell phone goes off, yeah. and the tune is "Row, Row, Row Your Boat," which life is but a dream. Uh, thought that was interesting. Oh, um, there was one scene where it's it's like after the splice has happened, where it's all dream world, but he's it's when things are going well between Cruz and um, or no, it's not. It's it's actually in the scene at Penelope Cruz's apartment in real life when they're having the great meeting and stuff, she says something about, oh, she says that she has to go to sleep now because she's a dental assistant too. Yeah. And Tom Cruise says, I'm going, I go to the wrong dentist. He goes, boy, do I go to the wrong dentist. But if you notice, he looks, so this is still real life Tom Cruise before the accident. Yeah. And it, his face, he's like holding it in a way that it almost looks like mangled. It's almost like some kind of weird foreshadowing. Huh. Um, uh, and so in the movie, Tom Cruise's character said his birthday is his 33rd birthday. Tom Cruise was actually like 38 or 39 or something at the time. Oh, in the time of filming? Yeah. Yeah. Um, at one point, uh, Kurt Russell's psychologist says, there are five basic emotions that cause people to do things or something. And he, and he goes, so what caused you to kill that? At this point, we just know that he's been accused of killing someone. We don't know who it is. Yeah. And he says, what caused you to kill that person? Was it guilt? Hate? Shame? Revenge, love. So those are apparently the five basic human emotions, is what he's saying. Uh-huh. Notice that guilt, hate, shame, revenge are all different flavors of oh, bad. Yeah. And, then and then love is the yeah. sole representative of good. <laughs> right. And also, revenge? It's not an emotion. Right. Revenge is an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I, it's funny because I Googled it. I looked it up. I want to be like, is this actually pulling from something? And I saw I didn't see any things that listed those specific five, but sometimes things would list five or seven. And for the most part, it's all different shades of negative, negative. and then love represents all good things. <laughs> so it goes to show that, uh, you know, like like a good movie, you need conflict. You do. And there's no story of just oh, these people, people are each assholes, other. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. At Tom Cruise's birthday party, I feel like he uh, they they this may have been the inspiration for Coachella, the Tupac hologram. He had the Colt John Coltrane. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Hologram. Um, oh, so at the party, everybody comments on about how Penelope Cruz's jacket is so big. I didn't make any note of, of its size, but she's the only one who makes the note of it. No, uh, Cameron Diaz does. She says, "Oh, I saw you talking to that brunette with the big jacket." What? Yeah, uh, I thought this was interesting. So, in the, when Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz were in the car. She's listening to a song. This it actually is Cameron Diaz singing. Oh, it is. Okay. And she asks, she kind of says like, "Hey, would, if I made a CD, would you write a story about yeah, it?" Yeah, yeah. And he says, "Sure." And, and she, she just whips, she it whips up. up a CD yeah. that she's clearly created, and she asks what he thinks of it, and he says 
it's vivid, yes. which is a weird description, but I was thinking, so lucid dream, vivid is always the way that people describe dreams, you know, right, like, oh, so, right. so lucid is when you're in a dream and you're aware that you're dreaming and you kind of get that control, whereas vivid is more where you're in a dream, but you don't know it at the time and you later say, oh, it was so vivid, it seemed so real. So I thought that that was kind of interesting yeah. because like, why would you call a song? It's very, it's vivid. Right. Uh, I did want... I did wish one thing in this movie that did not happen, and that was for when they were at uh, Life Extension, mm -hmm. and I wanted uh, there to be a very brief moment of a cameo by Arnold Schwarzenegger walking out of there. <laughs> for Total Recall? For Total Recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is funny, the parallels between the two movies. Right. Um, they play, so another, again, to the soundtrack, they had Good Vibrations by the Beach Boys. and so I, In the murder scene? In the murder scene. No, that's... Uh, uh, can't why can't can we still be friends? Don't play these games anymore. La 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 la. Good vibrations oh, yeah. is in the. It's like when he's realizing basically what's happening, oh, and he's like, right, 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 right. Um, okay. But anyway, I never. I was listening to the lyrics, and I never thought about it before. But is good vibrations a euphemism for a boner? Because he's you're giving ah. me good vibrations. You're giving me excitations. Might be boner. I'm about to jizz in your face. <laughs> oh, listen to the, how they harmonize on jizz. Those Beach Boys. Um, uh, I also really, I don't know, did you notice this line? It's just really weird. Uh, somebody. So when Tilda Swinton is explaining life extension, she says something about, uh, she's like, we use uh, cryonization. Uh, to uh, you know, as a form of entertainment, and Kurt Russell goes, he goes like cryotainment, kind of like he's trying. Oh yeah, he's right. like, so he goes cryotainment, kind of like he's joking, but then he like looks flustered because it didn't land, and it's like why, like why was that line in the movie? It didn't uh, didn't really make sense, but I love, and I also loved when. Uh, so as when they're on the top of the building where Tom Cruise has his big choice to make, yeah. the tech support is trying to demonstrate, or Tom Cruise is kind of in disbelief, and he's like, so if I wanted McCabe to show up, and then McCabe yeah. comes bursting through the Dang. door. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I loved, I loved, Russell could get an Oscar too for his commitment where he's like, you were right. These people are deranged. It was the seven dwarves. Because he's so desperate to oh, hang on yeah. to his existence. Yeah, yeah, That yeah. was great. And then one thing I was thinking, so... Uh, the tech support explains that the splice took place uh, the night, the, you know, after the, when he passed out in the street. Yeah. From there on is the, why not make the splice before the accident? <laughs> like, oh, you know, sure. why even remember any of that horrific yeah, if you thing? Have, if you have the means to. Yeah, you can put it wherever you want. Where, yeah, exactly. Um, and then final quick hit thought. What do you, th did you look at Rotten Tomatoes or no? Yeah, it was super low score. The critic score was 42. And I was baffled by it. And I'm like, this is a fucking great yeah, movie. Yeah, Cameron Crowe had a ton of respect at the time. Tom Cruise was still Tom Cruise. Yeah. It's, an it's a good movie. Mo yeah. Almost everybody I know that has seen it likes it. And the audience was 72. So I don't know what the hell happened with the critics. Yeah, there, there was, I don't know. There's always, to me, when I ever see numbers like that from the critics, I'm like, there's something fishy going on there. Yeah. There's a reason why they decided it was a shit movie. Because usually if you saw something that was 30 points higher, almost double the critic score, yeah. it would be like, a, not even a kid's movie, because critics tend well, to... comedies. Comedies yeah. or like action movies, stuff like yeah. that, where it's yeah. like... Yeah, it's a crowd pleaser, and critics don't want to be crowd pleased. But this, <laughs> right. like, this should have been a critical darling, I don't or know. at least respected. Forty one. Yeah. 
Yeah. Bullshit. Okay, so new segment adding Ooh. to the podcast here. Sexy. Yeah, very sexy. Um, <laughs> so, as I had mentioned earlier, I did really appreciate the casting in this movie. I thought it was phenomenal. Okay. Um, I think that sometimes casting does go south. Sure. This one did not. Nope. However, if casting did go south in this movie, sure, and they decided that Tom Cruise was not the lead role, sure, for this movie, and they selected other Tom, as the name of the segment is, other Tom, Tom Arnold. What if Tom Arnold, Tommy Arnold, was the lead <laughs> in Vanilla Sky? Pretty much, the, it had a very similar career arc to Tom Cruise. <laughs> right. So I. I'll introduce the scene that I think uh, would definitely throw people off the movie, even bring that Rotten Tomatoes score down from 41 to maybe even 11. No, a 30-point swing for Tom. 30-point swing for a wrong casting of Tom Arnold. Sure. How would that play out now? So uh, the scene that I'm thinking of in particular is uh, Jason Lee's character and uh, introduces Penelope Cruz to Tom Cruise. Sure. Uh, at his birthday party. Sure. Okay. So, why don't we hear that? And then, why don't we hear uh, if Tom Arnold was responding to Jason Lee as the role of David Ames. Happy birthday! And all the usual shit people say to each other. How you doing? Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody thinks it can happen to them the first time, buddy. Same exact thing happened to me with wife number two. Remember? I had no idea nothing's going on, right? I come home one day, and the house is completely empty. And I mean completely empty. She even took the ice cube trays out of the freezer. What kind of a sick bitch takes the ice cube trays out of the freezer? So, Jeremy, how does that play out to you? You, you know, Tom Arnold and Tom Cruise are so similar. That it, you know, I think you could plug you could have plugged them in seamlessly. No, of course not. That seems like a. It almost seems like Tom Arnold isn't aware of what movie he's in. No, is that possible? Seems, it seems as if he's uh, just kind of in his own Tom Arnold world. Yeah, I, I his th- own lucid dream of sorts. Oh, there you go. I believe he did have a drug problem. Maybe this was during that. Maybe the. <laughs> Maybe he was kind of making up his own dialogue. Very, it would have been a very difficult uh, character to pull off for Penelope as well, well, as she would have to like feign interest. Feign, feign interest. <laughs> and, uh, good luck. You know, well, maybe. especially with Cruz, we were talking about the, how the chemistry seemed so natural, and mm-hmm. and uh, it was almost like a perfect, too perfect meeting. I don't think we'd get the same vibe from the the Tom Arnold Penelope Cruz pairing. Not at all. No. Not at all. All I, right. So. I like this segment, Eric. I think it's got legs. It does have legs. Um, feet, toes. Feet, toes, all of it. Guts, DNA. <laughs> uh, a segment that I'm not sure has legs, and uh, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna give a whirl. I will openly admit uh, it was a classic situation where I thought of the name before doing it. It's called High Cruise. So I'm gonna make a haiku. You know, the, the Japanese poetry uh, structure of a three-line non-rhyming poem with five syllables in the first line, seven syllables in the second line, and five syllables in the um, third line. Uh, I did a very brief, I don't even know, I think I may have done a Google search and not actually clicked on the link, but I think you could see, I saw something that said, well, the idea of the haiku is that you don't really. You, one of the reasons that it's difficult is you can't really say a whole lot. And I read something saying the point of the haiku is you started off, and then the 
the listener takes it and runs with it. So I have two. I have two high cruises for you. Mm-hmm. Um, the first is this. See, this is this is how I might structure it. Is the first one is going to be about Tom Cruise, not necessarily with this film, just in general, mm-hmm. and then the second will be more Vanilla Sky related. So the first, what's reality? Five syllables. Thomas Mapother the Fourth. Tom Cruise's real name. So take from that what you will. That's a true fact. Tom Cruise's actual name is Tom Cruise Mapother the Fourth. Mapother, M-A-P-O-T-H-E-R. Um, and then in terms of a Vanilla Sky specific high cruise, without the bitter, the sweet just isn't as sweet. Pilot inspector. <laughs> That's a callback, people. That's a, that's a very classic callback. Um, so I think our last segment, this is an oldie bit of goodie, mm-hmm. how, Cru- how Tom Cruise is Tom Cruise as David Ames. So we've been, we've been dicking around with the categories. Right. And I think we decided it's just going to be kind of organic. We'll pick and choose what ones make sense. Um, so the first one up is run. And we have what I think of when I think of the classic Tom Cruise run. The Times Square is run. Is the Times Square run in Vanilla Sky. Yep, yep. It's, it's definitely very high. For me, I think of The Firm specifically, but this one is... I, I'm very stingy with the ones and tens, but and because it's only one run, I was thinking eight, maybe nine. I could be, oh, wow. Okay. What about you? Well, I, I was going ten because it's so iconic to me. So if you say nine, maybe Let's do nine. nine. We'll meet in the middle. We're going to meet in the middle with nine. Uh, we have some very classic Tom Cruise overacting parts. In this oh, movie. we've touched on a few of them already. Though. Yes. Um, and uh, any time that Tom Cruise decides to flail, right? That's an automatic seven. Yeah. For me, and he flailed when about the mask. <laughs> yes, he did. It well uh, on the rewatchables. Bill Simmons did A Few Good Men, and there's a scene in that where Tom Cruise has to pretend to be drunk, and they always joke around that they're it's it's proof that Tom Cruise has never actually been drunk. <laughs> uh, but you can, and, and a lot of the drunk scenes at the club is where he's very that's when he's I can't believe you said that. That's so perfect that you said that. Yeah. Lots of uh, lots of Tom Cruise overacting. I was I'll say an eight again. Yeah, I'm going eight. I'm going eight on the overacting. Smirk. We got so many Tom Cruise smirks in this movie. I, I agreed, but they're usually commit. There's a ton of them, but it's interesting because it's all kind of focused on that early stage where he's still living the life. Yes. Then he's got kind of the. Well, how can you smirk? He, with he's the snowboarding deformed, with the deformed face. You know? Exa- yeah, that's true. He's he's snowboarding through life though as yes. Tom Cruise on top of the world. But I think you do kind of because a huge portion of his character is. It can't smirk. Yeah, uh, I think I think this is well. What do you have? I, I had a I high, six. I was gonna say seven or eight. Let's say seven. Seven. Okay, we're going with the seven on the smirk. Now I think we have to have music in for this one because you love yeah. the music so much. So it's a I one. Love, I, I was exactly. gonna say one. I was gonna say three. So if we can go two on that one, yeah, that's because I, I think the music is extremely fitting. I'm not a particular fan of the music, but for this film in particular, yes, well, 100%. Because I didn't want to create another new category because I feel like we've been doing that every week. Okay. But I think that the music hits on something that is true for me is that this to me, is when I think of how Tom Cruise is a Tom Cruise movie, like Top Gun is kind of the 
Ultimate, where it's yeah. like that was a star-making turn. Yeah. That is a totally different movie. While there's definitely some of that here, I also think of it as a Cameron Crowe movie oh, because sure. so much attention is paid to the music. Yeah. Um. So and and the music was so good that I gave it the one. But yeah. we can we can we're uh, gonna go two on that go one. Two. Um. And then finally, cocksureness. I think this is the one category. It's, where we have a lot to play with. It's well, this is kind of the same thing as the smirk, where there's kind of two halves, except yeah. even more so, where he's super cocksure as uh, David Ames pre-accident. Although even when it's present, he kind of does. T- to your point before about how like it would be devastating because he was up so high and now he's been taken so low, yeah. but he actually does handle. I wouldn't say cocksureness. He kind of handles it in a very. Uh, adult way where he's kind of you know he's like i'm gonna go to see sophia and 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 he i'm gonna read all the memos i'm so he kind of does take control of his life but it's not that like devil may care you know right, it's just right. being an adult essentially. i think what well, i'm gonna make my my um argument for sure the, a tad higher but not too high is a particular scene and that is when he shows up to the office for the first time early on in the movie and the the woman who's guiding him through. Yeah, and he's talking to, to all the females. And he's just, he's got that stupid fucking bucket hat on. I made a note of that, that I i think that was, I think somebody tried to talk him out of that. And he, <laughs> and he said, no, I'm Where wearing is, the, LL I'm cool, wearing the, the LL Cool J bucket. And he's like kind of flirting with the, with the, the woman in the, in the, in the uh, cubicles as he's walking by like, hey. Yeah, hey, yeah. Hey, no. Hey, Jesse. Yeah, right. he's probably fucked him out. <laughs> and then, and then. And then he sits down at the table with the seven dwarves. Well, before he even sits down, he's like hovering over the chair. And he's like, I want answers and I want them now. Right. And then he sits down in the chair and then he's just like, ah, yeah, yeah. goofy boy, Tom Cruise. And like, and that to me is like, they wanted to set that, establish that pretty early on in the movie that he was pretty cocksure. Right, absolutely. If this movie was faced, was focused solely on just the life of uh, David Ames, Ames yeah. with no accident, this would be a 10 out of 10 for sure. Right, right, right. So my argument is because then there's so much in the movie of not that, right. I was going to go 6. Okay, I was going to say 7. We can go 6. We can go 6, okay. Uh, we don't have to include... You You can add that up. We don't have to include this as a category, but we've, we have had hair in the past. And uh, one of the things, it's interesting because I kind of feel like it's very on brand for Cruise while while still not being, I mean, Maverick is the standard kind of the haircut I think of with Tom Cruise, even a few good men really. Uh, but it's it's significantly longer here. And what it, I was trying to, there was some connection I had to it. And I think I realized what it is, is do you remember, I know that you you don't really follow football anymore, but I think you did when Tom, Tom Brady would get crap because he had like long feathered hair. Oh uh, yeah, it kind of reminded me of that at parts in this movie where yeah. he had the yeah he had the Brady little bit, hair. Yeah, it was very like it was on brand for Cruz, but it was very like feathered and well. Done. Also, was, Cameron Crowe also has that element of like kind of that that seventies throwback. Yeah, look. yeah, he does. And he does. And Cruz had that throughout the movie, especially with like the button up shirts. Kind of had that kind of 70s throwback kind of look to him as well. There was one in particular, I think it was the one where he does show up to the to the office for the first time. He's sure. One of those more kind of 70s looking right. button-up shirts. Maybe it was a different scene. but um, So I did tally it up, and it's 32 out of 50. So fairly high, I think, over the course of us doing this. 
So, in other words, 64% Tom Cruise. I think that's fair because it's very much, it's still in the peak run of Cruise. Yeah. But like I said, I think we want to have some separation because it is equally, I would say, or very close Cameron Crowe movie versus Tom Cruise movie. Uh, just just so you you know, we had we had Color of Money at 38 out of 50 to give you a reference. So much more Tom Cruise, or not much more, but I think that I think that works. It's more more Tom Cruise. Some of these other newer ones are pretty low, but we yeah. have, we have a lot of like Tom Cruise elements in in this movie. Sure. So. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up, independent of the segments, that I don't I, I waited to bring it up because I don't think it's necessarily intended from the movie. But back to the the sweet, you can't have the sweet without the bitter, or whatever. Sweet, sweet without the they sour. call it sweet and sour, and I think Jason Lee refers to it as. I think he calls it the bitter, but Cruz calls it sweet and sour. So oh, it, sure, I think but, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, but um, it's so again. I don't and think which Cam- was the entire message of the. That's movie. the entire message of the movie, and just one potential application of it. That again, I don't think Crow is necessarily trying to say this, but it fits in well. Is that if you, so? If you think about humans, you know, certainly in the movie, there's this new technology of life extension and. Oh, it can offer you all these great things. Um, what's the downside is kind of the initial reaction, but then you stop and think about it, and oh well, you know, it's not it's not authentically real. The the good, you know, it's if everything's always good, it can't. Then good doesn't have any value because it's just the constant state yeah. of the universe. If you think about like evolutionarily from you know human beings, obviously as technolo- technological advances have come and gone we accept them and i think the idea is that with technology we just say like yes yes i only see good here i only see good here but as a result of that we live in this very kind of thoroughly modern world i mean i guess all world is always (laughs) modern at the the given time but we have all these advances but we're still largely creatures that are supposed to be spending all of our energy on hunting food and raising our children and so little of it is and i think that's probably a big reason why we have the problems with anxiety and depression. Absolutely, and like that. 100%. Uh, like, so, you can't deny that. Exactly. So I think it is kind of a, you know, even though it's talking about a very specific example of life extension and lucid dreaming, it's kind of true of all technology that we, we just say, yes, this will make my life easier, but don't truly understand the hardships that come with it, you know, throughout history that's happened. This is something I was actually thinking of earlier today, uh, uh Going along the lines of what you're saying, sure. I was I had to make a stop at the at the um, post office, quickie mark for <laughs> lack of a better, sure, um, and pick some stuff up. And uh, I don't know why, but seeing people fill up for gas um, made me think of this, and I don't know why. I think I mentioned this to you at one point in time in our lives. The Cobra effect. Do you are you familiar with that term? I don't believe so. All right, so the Cobra effect essentially is where that comes from is uh, when the British were occupying India. Mm-hmm. Oh, I do remember. Time, you. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll sure. explain it to the listener. Yeah. So the British were occupying India, and there were some British uh, people who were in charge of certain areas of India that they have they came to the conclusion that there were too many cobras, wild cobras in the village, town, whatever the case it was. So what their their solution to that was they were going to put out um, a, a, a reward for co- dead cobras. Sure. Uh, so what, what had happened is the locals, uh, some of them decided to have cobra farms. 
Sure. And so they were raising cobras so they could collect on this on a huge amount of uh, reward. Sure. The the people in charge got wind of this, decided to cut the whole thing. All these farmers had these extra cobras, let them loose back into the village, and lo and behold, they had way more cobras right. than they started out with. Kind of the law of unintended consequences. And isn't that essentially what technology is, is a law of unintended consequences? Because with every new advancement, you know, so with gas, for example, I can get from point A to point B in so much faster time than on a bicycle or walking or a horse right. or whatever whatever the advantages were before sure. automobiles, right? But with that comes, like, wars for oil right. and all these regulations that come with it and, like, these other unintended consequences that have so much effect on the environment and war and conflict with countries and people who have billions of dollars who have control over this stuff and the rest of us who don't who have our lives controlled by the people who have like there's so much more right bad that came with oh i can get from point a to point b in 20 minutes now as right. opposed to like four hours it's like yeah that's great right, <laughs> right? but well, it's you know. it kind of it kind of reminds me of my point earlier about the how uh how whatever objective reality is is filtered through our perception it's kind of like that when you yeah. when you when the people created the rule of okay give we'll give you a five bucks for a dead cobra or whatever they only see it through the prism of we want to reduce cobras they don't see it through the prism of we the, everybody else going we want to make money yeah and yeah so how can i take advantage of this situation exactly there's a, uh i think when you told me that story i told you about um it's i might be the tipping point in some malcolm gladwell book where he talks about a um, a nerd, daycare type place for kids mm -hmm. where they were having a situation where people oh, were they showing up late. People would show up late to pick up their kids, and so they started like telling people, "Hey, we really need to leave, you know, at five o'clock or you know five o five. So we need you here at five. And eventually, they 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 still had some issues with it, and so they said, "Okay, we're going to charge you however much money for when you're late," thinking that would help curb it, but it actually increased. The occurrence of people being late because they felt justified then because they could say, "Oh, well, we're paying for it, so right. it's fine." Yeah, and so that's kind of similar to your your yeah. the Cobra law. <laughs> right. Um, all right, we kind of went in some meandering directions we today, did. and I think you know, as, as we said up front, this is one of the movies that we liked. Even I mean, we've liked previous movies, but this is like a movie that we both really appreciate. I love this fucking and, movie. Yeah. yeah, and as a result, I think the episode tends to be a little bit more serious and focused, not as yeah. humorous. Um, but we hope that you enjoyed the movie as well. What are we going to do next time? I have no fucking idea. No clue. You. What? It, no, we've do got. Me, do you want me to bring up the list? Let's bring up the list here. We've I mean, got we've got risky business. I'm I'm going to go try to go in order. We have legend. I don't know if we'll ever get to that one. Uh, risky business. Few good men. Although the. Rewatchables has done that, so I don't know. Uh, Top Gun, obviously. Cocktail, obviously. <laughs> you uh, want to do it so bad. No, but cocktail may have to be like a three-part episode. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be at least like two, a, I think. It's either gonna be one super long episode, yeah. or it's gonna be multiple installments because, for one thing, it's really two movies. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good one uh, and a bad so one. I'm gonna throw. I'll throw five at you. All right. Okay. Um, American Made. Okay. The Mummy. The Mummy. Um, I'm going to throw out there Night and Day. Sure. And then I'm going to throw some oldies at you here. I'm going to throw A Few Good Men. 
and Born on Fourth of July. No, I take that back. Rain Man. Hmm. You know, it's funny. In my head, when you when you said you were going to throw some out there, I said I'm either going with the first or last, and I think those are the two that I would limit it to anyway. American Made or Born on the Fourth of July. No, or Rain Man. Rain, Rain Man. Man. Yeah. Um. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to turn it back on you. You got to pick between those two. Between oh okay, Rain Man and American Made. Okay, so since we're so goddamn serious with this one, yeah, let's let's try to do something funny. And so I, I my only frame of reference is Rain Man, and so we we could be pretty funny with that. Let's do Rain Man. Let's do Rain Man. Wow, that's a that's a hard charger. It is. Two, it's hard chargers two well, in a row. Well, and because it's that's also that's probably up there. That would probably be in my top five cruise movies. I would imagine. Now, granted, I don't know if I I saw this movie in like. The 90s at some point. I don't know if I've ever seen it since then. Oh, that's a good... Yeah, I don't... I, I'm probably in the same... I'm probably in the same boat. So this is going to be... Yeah. Ooh. Should be a fun one. I, I have a... Uh, did you get wind of that? No, I did Oh, did you fart? Oh, yeah, it's really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. When the person says it about their own, you know you're in trouble. One thing... This probably fits more at the beginning of the episode, but just something I, I did yesterday. I went out to dinner with my mom. And it was her Christmas gift. And uh, uh, just a two months late on that one. Well, no, I, I told I, her Christmas gift was I said, you know, pick any restaurant you want, I'll take you out. Um, went to Hazelwood, not far from here, right by the, uh, uh, it's right by the Mall of America. It's relatively oh, new. Okay. Very good. But I've, so I've done this thing recently where I narrow what I want down to two or three options. Yeah. Then I tell the waiter or waitress and I accept their expertise. Uh-huh. But here, here's a little... Did you get jobbed? No, no, no. Okay. I, I tweaked it a little bit, and I got to say, I like it. Here's what, here's what I did. Uh, I, told, I, I, I told the waitress, I've narrowed it down to uh, prime rib, or not prime rib, I'm sorry, ribeye steak, uh, parmesan-crusted walleye, or lobster mac and cheese. I said, don't tell me. Pick one of, take what one you think is best. Just bring it to me. Whatever one, and if, I said, if you do the ribeye, medium rare... Just bring one of those three that you think is the best, but don't tell me what it is until you bring it out. And so she she cho- selected the Parmesan crusted walleye, which was very good. And I respected her more as a waitress because I <laughs> part of me because assumed, a lot of people will do pushback, right? Well, no, no, I assumed that she was going to go ribeye because it was the most expensive of the three. Oh. This was actually right in the middle. Okay, um, and uh, well, maybe that was part of her decision making. Could too. have been. Could have was been like okay if I go all the way then the then yeah like this dumb bitch we well also well, it doesn't make any sense that t- I'm tipping is a proportion of the overall bill that if I if I had done ribeye or parmesan crusted walleye it makes no difference None. whatsoever on your on your job None whatsoever uh, all right pods thunder all right pods thunder.